Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. I want to jump into the Word. It's, it's, in, announcements are important. Hear me. Uh, it, they're not just preamble to like, okay, finally that's done, let's get here. It's important that you know what's going on in the house. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And give opportunity for you to be involved and engaged. And it's way more, as you heard, than just Sundays. Today, with God's help, I want to preach a message that I've entitled, The God Who Provides. Amen. The God Who Provides. And even as I've just been taking time to listen uh, listen to newspaper headlines, listen to podcasts, listen to conversations that I'm having with people. Um, there's a real need that we have. Inflation, you know, mortgage rates, all of these things affect everything. The grocery bills, everything is on the up and up, even gas. And I'm not here to talk about why that is, but I can't really stop that. What I can talk about is the God who tells us in his word and shows us, hey, I'm the God who provides. And I find so much reassurance. And all of that could continue to happen around me. But I have confidence in the God who still provides. And so I can sleep at night. I know my wife and I, we're wired differently, and I'm not saying I'm better than she is or anything like that. We have conversations, real-life conversations about, okay, how are we going to maximize and be efficient and get through this season? And, and I know that's not just us. It's a lot of families, a lot of couples, a lot of individuals. You've had to almost relook at how we live in this season. But I want to draw your attention, because it's been so fixed on all of those variables, Here's a constant that we find, that he is the God who, say it, provides. We serve a God who provides. And this has been in my spirit the last two weeks. I, I don't know if I should go to the piano and play it, but it, it's the phrase from an old hymn. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. What is it? Great is faithfulness, Lord. Unt. One more time, all that I all needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord. Unt. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. What is the thing? We said it in prayer time. What is the thing? And when he sends his word, he provides. He completes what he starts. And Philippians chapter 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And that's why you hear me say it from the pulpit or in prayer, that all we need is Jesus. That He's more than enough. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. So Paul in Philippians was telling them, I've learned. He said, I've learned whether I had much or even when I had very little, I've always been content And this is what he told the people. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You can't leave Jesus out of the blessing that God has for your life. So some of us, we chase the blessing, not Jesus. But it comes through Christ Jesus, the living word. And so I want us, in the time that we have, we're going to look at two passages of Scripture. The first is 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And, and you can open and turn there. The second is going to be Genesis 22. 
So 2 Corinthians, let me get there myself. And today, we're going to talk about the God who provides. Notice it's not past tense. It's not something he did once and doesn't no longer do. It's that he's still the God who provides. So I want to emphasize that. 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9, I want to read, let's start verse 1 and 2. And Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, says, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help, and I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. So real quick, I like outlines and three points. And so in those two verses, there are three things Paul is saying about their giving. And I want to give them to you. Number one, they're eager to help. Number two, they were ready to send an offering a year ago. And number three... Their enthusiasm stirred up many of the Macedonian believers for them to begin giving. Interesting, they were eager to give, they were prepared, but also as they gave, it stirred up others to give. It's amazing when you start living the way Jesus teaches us to live, what it can also unlock, not just for you, but for others. And the Macedonians looked at them and said, Wow, the way they're ready and eager and prepared to give, we want to be the same and do the same. You know, sometimes I can preach, people can stand at this pulpit and be excellent preachers, but some things are not taught. Some things are caught. And, and generosity for me is one of those things. It's, I, I look at how others behave, and, and I learn. When I was a kid, and I still do it, I, I would look at the drummer. I would stare at the drummer. His name was Ricky, or Ricardo, and Rick Evangelista, to be full full name. And I would look at him, and I was like, I want to be him. I want to play drums in church. I want to do that. And guess what? He didn't teach me ever, but I caught the joy and the enthusiasm that he had for playing drums, Obviously, I had to learn and to do my, put in my time to learn the craft and the skill, but it was caught in one sense. Giving is the same way, and generosity is contagious. And, and that's why you, I'll use the phrase, it's a bit cliche, but I don't want it to get lost on you. You are blessed to be a blessing. It's not just that God's going to give you a wad of cash so you can go buy that Gucci you know, bag or belt or whatever you've been eyeing for a long time. Nothing wrong with if you have that kind of money or God blesses you and you choose to do that. But if God's blessing me, and I'll tell you my personal prayer, God bless me with more than I need so that I could be a blessing to others. And, and I use this illustration. I live open-handed, which means money in, money out. Now, you have to, my wife keeps me in check, because if it was up to me, I'd spend it all, buy this and bless that, and, and I'd have literally nothing. And that's, you still have to steward carefully what God puts in your hand or in your life, and how you use it matters. So, yes, God wants us to be blessed. I'll say that. Didn't hear one amen except for the long pause of silence. Do you believe that God wants you to be blessed? Yes. Therefore, when I'm blessed, I should be looking then, who else can I bless and be a blessing to? If, it, if the blessing stops with me, I've messed it up. I've not stewarded it well enough. And it's important that you hear my heart as your pastor on this. So the God who provides, but we're actually talking on the subject of generosity and we're going to touch on giving. And let me just preface by saying 
this church doesn't have an issue with generosity. In fact, last um, analytics of our giving, if you will, of our tithes and offerings as a church, from January to June, from this point this year, compared to last year, we were up somewhere between 30 and 40% in our giving. I want you to hear that. So we don't have a generosity problem. You'd say, well, Pastor John, why are you preaching this message? Because I don't want you to forget. I don't want you to forget that he is still the God who provides. And you need to remember that because maybe right now you've been good. Finances are okay. Maybe they're not. But there will come a point where maybe this message, you got to keep it tucked in your pocket and you're going to pull it out when that day comes. Some of you are there today. This is for you now. Others, you might be here at some point. I'm not speaking death over you. I'm not speaking troubles and trials over you. I'm saying the word of God never fails. So whether it's for today or it's going to be for tomorrow, keep this word. And my duty and responsibility is not to share my thoughts and opinions. You hear me say that. And when I do, I'll tell you, this is what I think. But I want to read God's word and allow his word to prosper in you today. Can you say amen if you want that and you believe for that? Amen. So just real quick, the beginning of 2 Corinthians 9, Paul is saying, hey, your giving could actually inspire others to be generous as well. And he's saying you've been ready, you've been eager, and this is inspiring other people. They're catching on to the joy that you have in giving. Let's continue. I'm going to jump a few verses to verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get what? A small crop. But the one who plants what? Generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide. I'm going to emphasize, you must each decide. So giving and generosity is for everyone to participate, rich or poor. You can still be generous with what you have. Let me pause real quick. Jesus in the temple stopped and he tells, there's this record in the Gospels. He's looking and there are people dropping these big bags of money and I'm sure you can hear the sounds. Then there's this woman who drops her two mites, her two coins, and Jesus made the statement to whoever would have been closest to him, see her? She gave more than all of them. Even though she didn't have much, she gave her best, her all. And so Jesus commented, so it's not about how rich you are or how poor you are, whether you can give or not give, look at what it says. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. If you've ever gone to a church service or I'll even say watched an online or a TV program, church service, whatever you want to call it, where you felt like, uh, I feel like my arm is being twisted to give. Don't give. Don't give. And you've heard me say this. And we say this uh, whenever we talk about our tithes and offerings. By the way, we do it, and sometimes I forget, at the end of service. And you'll hear me say, if you're a visitor with us, don't feel obliged. But at the same time, I don't want to stop or exclude you from participating if you desire to. So... Don't give in response to pressure. Now, when we talk about the needs or the opportunities that are before us, we have a responsibility to share the vision. And as the Spirit would stir your heart, obey what He is speaking to you. And this is not just when we're gathered as Weston. It's wherever you find yourself. If you hear of an opportunity, it, it might be a business opportunity where you feel like, oh, I feel like I'm pressured, so I have to say yes, and I'm just going to give and whatever. Don't do it. Don't give in response to pressure. And don't be reluctant. So that means when it's leaving my hand, and it, well, let's use the illustration of the farmer, right? It's seed in my hand. 
And I decide how much I want to let out. I get to decide how much seed is going to leave my hand. And so if I'm reluctant, what happens? My hand won't open as much. Maybe a few will fall out. But when I give joyfully and willingly, that's why I say it's open-handed. It's open-handed. What comes in can easily fall out. And here's the promise in the scripture. We already read it. If you sow generously, you will reap how? Generously. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. You must each, verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Verse 8, and God will generously provide all you need. Say all you need. How much will God provide? All you need. So what is it that you need today? He is the God who provides. Then you will always have everything you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Do you catch that? The blessing of more than enough doesn't stop and cannot and should not stop with you. If God is blessing you, as His Word says He wants to, it has to then reach everyone around you. That's what we call living in the overflow. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly, or life in the overflow, or till it overflows. So it's not just my joy, it's not just my freedom that I get to experience, and I hope that overflows, or my anointing, my love for God that overflows. It's also my generosity. I want it to overflow. And it want, I can touch nations. We can touch nations. We can touch the city of Vaughan with our giving as we set out to start a second location. There are needs. And some of you, your hearts are going to be stirred to give. You know, I want to rewind to earlier this year when someone handed me a check for our church $100,000. Never in my life have I ever had a check in my hand for $100,000, let alone that someone said, this is for the work of the kingdom. And I and willingly gave it. And I, I didn't know what to say. And But I'll tell you what I'm saying to the Lord now. God, if you did $100,000 for, for the basement, that's where we earmarked it for. God... You could do anything. What's $100,000 to the God who owns it all? Right? He can do exceedingly and abundantly, the Bible says, far beyond what we could ever think or imagine. And I want to, this is not in my notes, but I want to just go here for a minute. I feel there's an anointing on this part that I'm going to add. That for some of us, we've been born into a poverty mindset. And that shapes how we think and view everything around us. And it's a scarcity mindset. It's, I don't have enough to be generous. I, don't, I, I can't feed my, these friends or these people. I can't have people over. It's a poverty mindset. And God can still break that off of you in Jesus' name. And, you know... I want to be careful because I don't want to get too far out on a tangent. To, to, I need to get back in the Word in a second. When you start to hang around with people who are affluent, it, it changes how you talk and how you think. Why? Well, all my life, you know, I remember the stories of my parents saying, and, and we're blessed, by the way. I had, like, cheap shoes. They were Lynx instead of Reebok. All of that stuff, like they smelled really bad after gym class. They were plastic shoes. I've shared the story. I got a nice track suit that two weeks later, it literally shredded into, I go, mom, what's going on? She goes, it was cheap. I'm sorry. But she wanted me to have at least the look of the track suit, it w but it lacked the quality. But we grew up in, in that way. But guess what? My parents were always generous. They were always having people over, always making room for more. And we never lacked anything. And today I can say we're at a far better place as children, even grandchildren, because my parents were immigrants. 
who had nothing. And my, my grandmother, just context, I would, as a kid, go and I'd see her use the paper towel to like clean the countertop. It was all wet. She would like open it up, lay it out on the counter. It would dry. Whereas I would just like take it and throw it out. I said, why, why are you keeping it? She goes, because I'm going to use it at dinner time again to dry off the countertop. And for my, my little mind, spoiled mind, if you will, I was like, just grab another sheet. But to them, it was, we had nothing, so we're grateful for this little sheet of paper towel to clean the countertop. And fast forward two generations where we have more than we need. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm believing and personally asking God for more. Why? Because... I want to get to the point in my personal life where if I see a big need, I want to be the guy. And this is what I tell the Lord. I want to be the guy who will open. I don't have a checkbook, so, but it sounds proper. To open up my checkbook, write the check and say, there you go. Do it for the kingdom. Do it. What God put on your heart, go and do it. That's the kind of faith that I have when I read that God's my provider, that he gives, if you sow generously, you'll reap generously, then I could be a greater blessing. I'm saying, God, somehow may I get to that level so that I can. It's the so that. The motivation matters. Do you hear me? The motivation matters. If, if money is going to, because the Bible says Money is not the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is. So with that money, and this is also what I'm saying to the Lord, if money is going to be the downfall of me, then I don't want it. I don't want more of it. I need just enough, and you have provided that. But my heart and the posture and the motivation is what makes the difference before the Lord. You hear that? God won't give you something to wipe you out. If he's going to bless you, it's so that you can win and that you'll be a blessing to others. Hear me carefully today. It's not a prosperity message, but I do believe the word and God should have his children prosper. Or else what kind of a father is he if he can't provide for his sons and daughters? He's a good father and the Bible says he gives good gifts to his children. Amen. And so back to this text... Verse 8, and God will generously provide all you need. So remove the poverty mindset that maybe you were raised in or developed growing up. Listen, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's not poverty. That's abundance. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Look at verse 10. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way. So he's comparing it to what he just said. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So God has a big role to play in getting seed into your hand. You have a part to play, but so does God. So you're not alone in this. And verse 11, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Let me rewind two weeks ago when Pastor Emmanuel Golar was with us. And you heard him, his testimony, grew up in the slums in India. But when he walked in and he told me in the side room right here, with tears welling up in his eyes again, he said, when I walked into this building, I was weeping. Because my dream, my prayer to the Lord is that I would have a church like this. To have church with the people that they're, they're crammed. He showed videos. If you missed two weeks ago, go back on our YouTube channel, rewatch it. You'll get a dose of reality what goes on around the world. And so there they are in India. Here we are blessed in this sanctuary. Beautiful space where we can gather and worship the Lord. He walks in. And what we enjoy as normal, 
That's his dream. And when I, when I told you, like, I just want to be able to write the check and say, here, when I hear stories like that, that, I'm like, Lord, if you would enlarge my territory, I will be the one to write the checks. That's, that's just between me and God, but I'm sharing that with you. And I'm believing it's going to happen. I'm believing it's going to happen. And that's the kind of son that I want to be for my father. He can trust me in the finances. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. So Proverbs 11.24, I want to jump there. And then we're going to get to Genesis 22 soon. It's more of a teaching than a sermon, by the way. So Proverbs 11.24. And, and keep in mind what we just finished reading, 2 Corinthians 9. Give freely and become more wealthy. It's the opposite of the poverty mindset. Poverty says, i got to keep what I have or else I'll have nothing. Scripture says, give freely and become more wealthy. Here's the opposite though. Be stingy and lose everything. In the message, it says it like this. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. So think of the farmer illustration who holds on to seed. What kind of a harvest will he have when it's harvest time? Smaller, not bigger. Smaller. But to the farmer who gave out and threw out more seed, guess what? When harvest time comes, he will have a bigger harvest. What happens when the harvest happens? There's more seed inside of what you harvest. And in one, let's say one, did, you, did we start that little cherry tomato plant from a seed? It was like a sprout or whatever you want to call it. Someone started it for us. Here's the beautiful thing. One tomato seed gives you a whole plant. Out of that, we have all kinds of tomatoes, but in every tomato is multiplied number of seeds. You see the harvest getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, I eat most of the tomatoes. We don't replant them. So we have to keep buying and finding other seeds and plants. But you understand the principle. This is called the principle or the seed principle, sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. By the way, and I've, I've preached this before. I've said this before. I'm reminding you in case you never heard it. This is not even a Christian biblical principle. People outside of the church who don't even acknowledge God, they can grow because they understand the seed principle of sowing and reaping. That when you give and you're generous, you'll grow and you'll get more back. They understand it. So it's, it's not like something that's only reserved in the Bible. It's a, some secret Christian thing. No, it happens all around you. And so the, I think where we fail is when it comes to church and to, to money. We go, I don't know if I believe that. It sounds too spiritual, too hyper-prosperity preaching, whatever. It's a principle. Whether you believe it or not, you put the seed in the ground, it will what? Grow. And so I'm not preaching for you to be all happy with me. I'm preaching because I want you to get the word. Get the message in your heart and let it transform how you live and how you live generously. This is what the word needs to do in us today. So before we get to Genesis 22, you know, let me talk about Weston. We used to pass offering plates and it used to go through all, you know, every person would pass the plate. It would get to, and then the ushers would take it to the back. Now, you know, you heard it in the video. Here are the ways digitally to give. And then we have a white giving box right at the back of the sanctuary. And during COVID is when we kind of made all those changes. We had the box. We had... Uh, online giving methods from way before that. But hear me for a second. We used to take up 
offering in the middle of the service. And one of the things that God impressed upon my heart was do it at the end. And as new people come, they will see when we say we're about ministry and that money follows ministry. Well, then let's do the ministry first. Let's minister. Let's let's have worship. Let's hear the word. Let's have whatever ministry at this altar that takes place. And then people will always have an opportunity to give. Now, here's the thing. If you don't give because the plate doesn't pass by you anymore, that's not on us. That's still on you. I want, I want to, and I say that in love because it's an issue of the heart. And if you thought that we've downplayed the importance of giving, then I want to really set the record straight that we should be a giving people. Um, Jesus in Matthew 6, three things that he says should be a part of the life of every believer. When you pray, dot, 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 he gives some instruction. When you fast and when you give. So he was expecting as believers, these three things are non-negotiables in our lives. So the plate, yes, it, does, it, it doesn't pass right now. And as a, as a board, I remember us having the conversation, you know, restrictions lifted, we're back to normal. Are we going to pass the offering plate again? And we said, let's see how it goes. And like you heard me say at the beginning, are, is giving down? No, it's it's actually exponentially increased. It's because you understand giving. And if you're new to Weston, receive this teaching, receive the word, and let it speak to your heart. And again, it's not pressure to give. I'm just explaining why we do what we do so you understand. So there have been many Sundays where we get to the end of the service and it happened more so earlier on where at the back of my head I'm like praying for people at the front. But then I know time is moving and the service is kind of ended. And I never mentioned giving. And that used to be a, a concern for me in the back of my head. Um, because I'm like, oh, I need to remind the people to give. If Weston is your home and, I'm, and you consider me your pastor, how about we just... Uh, set the record from this day forward. If I remind you, it's a bonus. But if you're a believer, giving is not something that anyone should have to remind you about. The tithe and offerings, it's, it's something that's a part of my everyday life. Amen? Amen. So uh, if I remember at the end of service this week, the weeks to come, it's a bonus but if this is your house, this is your home, and you're in the habit of giving, and I'll share a scripture in a second on that, then it's a bonus. But you, it's, the onus is on you. The, the issue of the heart, the motive for giving is on you as well. We will share opportunities. We'll give you moments and things regarding the vision that are tied to the vision of this house where we can give. When we have love offerings sometimes, when we have ministers in, it, there's, there's those opportunities. That's above and beyond the tithe. And I want to talk about the tithe, and then I'm going to wrap the message up in Genesis 22. The tithe is what I would call the baseline standard for giving. The baseline standard for giving. And that word tithe is a tenth. Tithe means one-tenth. And I'll give you some scripture, but let me just explain, because I get this question. I'll, Pastor John, should I tithe on the gross of my income or on the net? And here's my answer. This is how Priscilla and I go about it. Um, I'm not telling you what to do, but I'll just tell you my logic behind it. We give off of our gross salary. And I'll tell you why. If I gave off of the net then what I'm saying is the first portion goes to the government and they receive the, the first fruits, if you will, of my income. Instead, I tithe and Priscilla and I tithe off of our gross because I'm not going to let the government steal the first fruits. Instead, we tithe off of the gross, which is the first 10 that we get. 
and then it's whatever the government takes, and then the rest is, is how we live and how we save and how we're able to be generous. You hear that? And so that's just how we do it. And I've told people who asked me personally, I said, that's up to you. Um, but that's my logic. The government takes whatever percentage off of our salaries. But that's because they're greedy and they do what they have to do. But that should not rob what I give God or, or make it lesser. If this is my gross, I give off of the gross. And, and here's a statement that I want you to hear. 90% with God's blessing will go much farther than 100% without. 90% with God's blessing will go much farther than 100% without. And so tithing, let me just give you a basis, because if this is new for you, you don't understand too much about what I'm saying. Tithing is introduced in the Old Testament of the Bible, but not even in the law, 500 years before the law, uh, before the Old Testament law was given. So just make a note, Genesis 14, you could read it, but Abraham pays a tithe or a tenth to Melchizedek, who scholars even say, he's not just a type of Christ, some scholars believe he actually was Christ. So it's interesting to note, I don't have time to go into that, but, um, but that's what theologians, as a result of all of the details surrounding Melchizedek and his life, and what's recorded in scripture, the theologians believe Melchizedek is actually Jesus Christ. So I'll, I'll leave that there. One more instance before the law, that was 500 years. In Genesis 28, verse 22, we, we read about Jacob. And this is about 400 years before the law is even given. So I'm here to say tithing is a biblical practice that precedes the law, comes before the law. It exists obviously through the law, but also on its own quite apart from the law. And even into the New Testament. So in the New Testament, Matthew 23, 23, Jesus' words I want to read. He says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and Pharisees, uh, and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. He said, You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. One more New Testament scripture, Hebrews 7, verse 8. Here on earth, here mortal men receive tithes. So you'll give your tithe to the church. It's received in that box. Mere mortals, people will go and count it. It'll get deposited in the bank. But listen, mere mortals receive, uh, sorry, here mortal men receive tithes. But there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. So you give your tithe to the church, your local church, the place where you're planted in, but it's actually received in heaven. Don't miss that. There's another story in Acts chapter 10 where Cornelius is being generous and an angel of the Lord appears and he says, your giving has been uh, noticed in heaven. Interesting. Interesting. And I want to say as we move to this last part, God is your source. God is your source. Yes, you receive a paycheck, but God is ultimately your source. He is the God who provides. He is the one who owns it all to begin with. And we sang this morning, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He meets my needs. You know, back in the day, it was like, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Nay, his grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. Anyone remember that? Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Put them high. Yes, we'll have a retro worship night one night soon. I'll lead it. <laughs> Genesis 22. So I talked a lot about the seed, a lot about the tithe. And, and when we're talking about the God who provides, we're learning from that first part that what God has already put in my hand is up to me to be generous with. I have to be willing to start putting some seed in the ground and God's going to supply more and more seed for me 
so that I can always be generous. So again, it's not always going to be taught, but caught. So that's the first part. The second part shifts to the next level, if you will. And it takes one level deeper. And we look at the story of Abraham in Genesis 22. Again, talking about the God who provides. Um, the Bible tells us, you know what, let me just turn there first. Because I need to actually read a few verses out of it. The word of the Lord comes to Abraham. I'm just going to give you Cole's notes. And he tells him, take your son and you're going to go and offer him as a sacrifice. Now, this is Isaac, his one and only son. God promised Abraham and Isaac that they would have a son and that Abraham would be the father of many nations. So Isaac is a son of promise. You see that? Isaac is a son of promise. Now God is telling him as a test of his obedience of faith. He said, take your son and go and you're going to offer him as a sacrifice. So I love Abraham's response. He prepares right away. He gathers the wood. He gets his son. He gets the donkey ready. And he says, okay, come, we're going to go. And we're going to worship the Lord together. And in verse 5, I want to just read that part. He tells his assistants, those who are with him, Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little, a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. He said, we will worship there. But actually, God said, you're going to sacrifice your son. But here's what I submit to you. Even as Abraham's on this journey with his son, he always viewed it as worship unto God. He said, we will go worship the Lord. We will go and worship there. And so to Abraham, though we read the word sacrifice, to Abraham, he views this still as worship. And I, I, we're going to talk about sacrifice now. And I want you to get this. Romans 12 verse 1, I tried quoting it earlier in the service. But here's the verse in its entirety. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer what? Your bodies as a living what? Sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So when I offer God my body as a living sacrifice, that's worship. That's worship. And so Abraham, he views this Yes, the word is sacrifice, but he still is looking at it as worship. God, I'm offering you something. By the way, in sacrifice, in Old Testament especially, sacrifice, you'd offer it, but it would also need to be accepted by God. It's important to understand. So when we offer our lives as a living sacrifice, that's why Romans 12:1 says, holy and pleasing to God. Because if the sacrifice is not pleasing... He's not going to accept it. But this is the way we worship God. So it's important to note it. Now Abraham's going up this uh, mountain with his son. Verse 7. I want to read this with you. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes my son. Abraham replied, Sorry, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Isaac's no dummy. He's probably been around and seen this before. Great question. Look at verse 8. God will what? Provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. Now, I don't know if Abraham fully knew how God was going to provide. And it's an interesting uh, thing to stop and ponder a bit. He's like, we have all the stuff, but where's the sheep, Dad, for this burnt offering? And what Abraham actually says when he says God will provide it, it's, it's translated this way in the original language. God will see to it. God will see to it that there's a lamb for the, there's a sheep for the sacrifice. God will see to it that it's taken care of. God will see to it. God will provide. And 
Abraham responds certainly in faith when he says God will provide. But perhaps I submit this to you also from experience, maybe. And I want to look at Genesis 21, verse 1 and 2. Look at this real quick. Talking about his son Isaac. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. By the way, he was 100 years old, way too old to have a child. But God gave the word and it happened. And so perhaps Abraham, certainly full of faith, says God will provide. But also in the back of his mind, he remembers God gave me the promise. And this son is the son of what? Promise. Therefore, if he's asking me to do something that makes no sense, sacrifice my son, though I view it as worship, I know God will still provide. God will provide the lamb. God will provide the sheep for the sacrifice. Jedediah, come here real quick. Real quick. He's surprised. Yeah, right up, right up. I have one question for you. You ready? Why are you standing next to me on the stage? I don't know. <laughs> then why did you come? To hear the word. No, no, but why did you come up on the stage? Because you called me to. And how did I call you? How do you know I wasn't speaking to Leanna? Because you called my name. I called your name. You're right. Jedediah. When I called his name, he came. You can have a seat. Give him a hand. You can go sit down. You've heard me maybe say this. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. It's not just something he does, it's who he is. Jehovah Jireh is one of the many names of God. Listen to me for a minute. Jedediah came up on this stage. I didn't just say, uh, come here. And randomly, I said, Jedediah, come up here. And because it's his name, he came. And when we just think that it's one of the things that God does, well, God provides, but then God heals, and God saves, and God delivers, God encourages, God loves. When we just think it's one of the many things He does, we can also then be susceptible to thinking, well, surely God is too busy for me. Surely He's too busy to provide for me right now. I'm sure there are so many other people who have more needs than me. And But listen, it's not just something He does. It's who he is. So when I called Jedediah, he showed up. But when I call on Jehovah Jireh, it's his name and he shows up. And I need you to get that revelation the way God gave it to me. Very simply, when you begin to call on the name of the Lord, he's the one that shows up. So when I say, Jehovah Jireh, you're my provider, he's going, You called? You called? And he's ready. He's not a genie where, you know, I get three wishes. Don't think that. It's his name. It's who he is. And it's what he knows how to do. Just like he is Jehovah Rapha, my healer. He shows up. It's not just one of the many things he does. It's who he is. And so can we call on Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides because guess what? He shows up and he's still the God who provides. And I want to close this service um, real quick. And as I do, I don't need music. Um, but God gave me some specific instructions for us as we close. Who here owns a business? I'm going to ask you to put your hand up, but let me qualify what I'm asking doesn't matter if it's multi-million dollar or you're making like $100 a month at this point. But who here would say, I own a business? Just put your hand up real high. Awesome. All right, put your hands down. Is there anyone here who you have dreams of owning a business one day? doesn't matter how. Okay, a few. Good. 
Good. Good. Sometimes you, you won't learn this stuff. It's, it's caught, not taught. And for those of you who are business owners, maybe if you looked around and saw who wants to start a business, maybe God will put it upon your heart to mentor, to start helping. You know, um, I have dreams too in, in this space. I don't want to get into all that. We don't have time for that. But how I want to end the service is if you own a business, I want to pray that God would bless you and that you would prosper. But here's the thing. If your business is going to be blessed, you got to be a blessing. And I know that many people who are in our church, they are a blessing. But I want to pray that God would multiply the blessings even more. That there are things you haven't even thought of that God will unlock in you. By the way, I love this illustration. You're sitting in beautiful pews. And we say God created everything. Well, he didn't actually make the pews. God gave us the trees. Someone had to sit there and go, man, we need benches. We need chairs. We need tables. God is the source. He gave us the tree. But he gave us and unlocked in us the ability to see beyond the tree and to have creative imagination to say, you know what? This is what I see. Well, we, what's possible? I could dream a bit. What doesn't exist today? Henry Ford made the, the, the car. Never existed. Faced all kinds of opposition, but he did not stop. He said, no, we will drive around instead of ride horses. And he invented it. So I say that to say there's a creative nature that's inside each and every one of us. Let me tell you why. Because our Father is the master creator, and His DNA runs inside of us. And so my prayer is that he would unlock in us creative ability for our business, businesses. I, I want to read you out of Deuteronomy 8.18. Also, for those of you who own businesses, but for those of you who aspire. Listen, remember Deuteronomy 8.18. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. In the New King James Version, it says power to get wealth. And in the NIV, it says the ability to produce wealth. He is the one who gives you those in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. I want to read, um, actually, I give you all three translations. Power to be successful, the power to get wealth, or the ability to produce wealth. That's locked up inside of you. If you have those dreams, those desires, my prayer is that... After we pray today, you walk out of this place for no other reason than it's inside of you and it's being activated. God's going to unlock, unlock and unlock these things that are inside of you. And who placed them there? He did. And that's why the, the verse starts by saying this, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you this. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you this. And so I want to pray for every business owner. And I want to pray. I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seats. But can we just stand to our feet all in this place? Can I also tell you what I'm praying for our church? Just like we received a $100,000 check. My faith is simple faith. I'm like, God, there's a reason why someone had to set the example. Yeah. Hear me carefully. There's a reason. God will always start with one. And just like we read in 2 Corinthians 9, as the people were giving, the Macedonians were getting excited too. They were wanting to give and participate too. But it starts with one. Someone gave a check of 100000 I remember giving it to our treasurer. Called him into the office and I said, uh, I have something for you. I reached into my pocket. He had no idea what I was about to tell him. But we were both standing there saying, God, we don't feel like we're worthy of this kind of blessing. But this isn't about us. This is about your church. And God will always meet the need. And we'll say this, and I'll continue this, that money, we don't chase after money. Money follows ministry. So we are busy about 
the ministry and doing the work of the kingdom. And God's promise to his church is that the vision will always be funded. And so someone paved the way for our church. And I'm prophetically saying this for us as a church, that the 100,000, the first check came. It's not going to be the last. It's not going to be the last. My God shall supply all my needs. When I say my, I'm saying the church. According to his riches in glory. And if he's done it once, he could do it again. And I'm just here to stir your faith. But here's the thing. Moses, he gave sacrificially. He brought his son as a sacrifice, but he viewed it as worship. And for some of you, before I pray for our business owners and aspiring business owners, hear me carefully. For some of you, the launch into generosity is going to be a sacrificial offering. And again, if the Holy Spirit is confirming this in your heart, then let him do it. I'm not forcing anyone or manipulating a moment. But hear me in obedience to the word. It starts with sacrifice. And out of that, Abraham said, you are the God who provides. And that's where we get the name Jehovah Jireh. For Abraham said, on the hill of the Lord, on the mountain of the Lord, he provided. God will see to it that the need is met. And in your life, I want to declare the same thing, that God will see to it that your need is met in Jesus. He is the source, the ultimate source, not your employer, not the paycheck that you wait for every two weeks, but that ultimately he is the source of your supply. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. If you're encouraged, say amen today. If you believe it, say amen. And so some of you, it might have to come at the cost of sacrifice. I need to say one more thing and then I'm going to pray. You can look through the pages of Scripture. When breakthrough came, it was always preceded by sacrifice. It was always preceded by sacrifice. You know, I, I've talked about Elijah on Mount Carmel with all the prophets of Baal, and all, he defeats it. But there was the altar, and they were in a drought. And what was the thing that he asked to be poured on the altar? It was the water. I always thought the water was, like, man, if the fire could burn all of this... That's strong fire. But really, it was the sacrifice of, we don't have water. We're in a drought. And what was the ending result? The rains came like a mighty flood. It started, it looked like the size of a, a cloud in a man's hand. But it came, and it came fast. Abraham on the mountain, God, you're my provider. There was a sheep caught in the thickets, in the bushes. And the angel of the Lord stopped him from killing his son of the promise, Isaac, and said, take the sheep. That's your sacrifice. God provides. There's the woman in, um, she's got nothing but a meal left. She's got some flour. She's going to make one last loaf. And the prophet shows up and says, she's looking for provision. But he came with a word. Hear me for a second. He came with a word. He said, bake me the cake first before you do it for you. And you'll always have enough to eat. Don't worry about this. And sure enough, the Lord provided more and more and more than enough. Because he's the God of overflow. And today I want to remind the church, don't be afraid of sacrificing. In the New Testament, Jesus said, the woman with the two coins, she gave the most. She gave the most out of all these other people with their wealth and money bags. She gave the most because she gave the, all that she had. And that gets the attention of heaven. So I'm just here to leave that with you. And your response is between you and Holy Spirit today. You might not be ready to sacrifice or to whatever, whatever your response looks like. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. And you respond to the word today. You respond to the word. And guess what? The word never returns void. I read it, Isaiah 55, 11. When he sends it out, it meets that which he sent it for, and it prospers. So this is the word of the Lord for you today. Receive it. And before I close with a general closing prayer, 
I want to pray for all of those who raised your hand before. Would you lift your hands to heaven? Business owners, aspiring business owners. I want to pray God's blessing that it would allow you to prosper and multiply. That opportunity would come. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every entrepreneur, every solo, solopreneur, and every wannabe preneur in the making. And Lord, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that a fresh anointing would come. Just like those who started their business in the early days, but who are enjoying uh, prosperity and success today. Lord, there's still more. There's still more to tap into. So I pray for a fresh anointing, Lord, so that your kingdom can continue to advance in the mighty name of Jesus, so that we as sons and daughters can be a blessing to those around us, that it would overflow and even our money would be a testament of your blessing on our lives, not just salvation, not just healing, but Lord, how you've blessed us. Lord, I pray today that we would continue to be a house that is generous. Lord, I know we give to missions overseas. We give to missions in this country and even in this city. But Lord, I pray that you would enlarge our territory. Lord, help us to be generous even when it doesn't feel convenient. And I would even say, especially when it doesn't feel convenient. And Lord, for those today who need to start this off by sacrificially giving, Lord, I thank you that the day of overflow in scripture often precedes um, sacrifice. Sacrifice comes first and then we see overflow happen. Lord, I pray today, whoever Holy Spirit you would be speaking to, Lord, it's not me, it's not manipulation or trying to coerce, but Holy Spirit, that you are doing a work on our hearts. And Lord, in these last days, we need the gospel to go further, faster. And so Lord, I just pray that you would continue to burden our hearts in these last days with what matters most. And Lord, as we're reminded in Deuteronomy, that you give us the power to produce wealth. Lord, we take off every limiting belief, every limitation, and we allow your word to work in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, I thank you in advance for the testimonies. Thank you in advance for the blessings. We've already heard people buying new homes and how you've provided for them miraculously of new jobs uh, and promotions without even asking. But God, I pray if you've done it for a few that you would do it for everyone. And you are the same God. And Lord, lastly, would you always keep our hearts pure, keep our motives right before you, God? I don't care what anyone's opinion is. But Lord, would we keep our hearts before you? That's what matters most, our hearts, because you search our hearts and you know us. Your word says where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So keep our hearts invested in you, Lord, in the kingdom, in the eternal things that will outlive and outweigh and outlast everything else that will fade away. And Lord, we thank you that we can honor you with the first fruits. And Lord, that we can continue to be blessed all the days of our lives. Lord, I pray this blessing upon your church, your congregation, as we faithfully carry out what you've asked us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. And amen. Thank you for your attention today. Um, your homework is not even to give because some of you should be in the habit of doing that. Your homework is to ask Holy Spirit, in light of everything I've heard, what am I supposed to do now? For some of you, it's going to be you got to start that business. Because a great idea is just that, a great idea. It's not actually a business. You have to start somewhere. Put the seed in the ground, go, and start what God's asking you to do. And listen, honor the Lord in all that you do. If you're a business owner, honor the Lord with your business. Be a blessing. Watch God take your business to new heights, new levels. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray now for every person that's here in this room. As we leave this place, we go with your blessing. Lord, we go with hopefully new understanding of your word, if we haven't heard this before. And Lord, most importantly, help us to put it into practice. That we wouldn't just talk a talk, but that we would walk this out. 
And Lord, I thank you that um, you are with us everywhere we go. So even in our coming in and in our going out, I speak your blessing over your children now. And Lord, even as we leave this place, help us to be the hands and feet of Jesus extending to this world. Help us to add value everywhere around us because of what you've done inside of us. So we love you, Lord. We pray this today in Jesus' name. And let the church say amen. And amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.